We don't have control over a lot of it gets thrown at us, right? How we handle something is within our control. You're listening to Good Is In The Details. I'm Gwendolyn Dalski. And I'm Rudy Sallow. And this is the podcast where we use philosophy and law to rethink societal issues and current events. I don't know about the word use. I like apply. We apply. (laughs) We'll go with it. In this episode, I think it's quite fitting considering we just had International Women's Day. Um, Our guests are Alex and Joe and the company that they created. Is it the company they created? No, it's it's, it's actually Alex's company. It's a divide and thrive. Joe just happened to be a... um, a student, if you will, a compatriot of Alexandra when Joe was going through her divorce. Yeah. And this is a great episode. We're talking about the way in which to flourish after the end of a relationship or a marriage. And I think there's a lot of great concrete tips here, but there's also an important lesson to keep your identity, even when you are in a relationship, because relationships can end and it's important for you to be focused on your goals, what you want out of life, and that the end of the relationship doesn't mean the end of you. You still have a lot to look forward to and a lot to work on. So this is packed with information on how to deal with the grief and the loss, but then also how to kind of kickstart your life and to be excited about all of the possibilities from going from we to me. I couldn't have said it better than what you just said. I, I completely agree. This show is, while it, Rudy, while it that's does, why I keep you. When you say things like that, I, I wonder why you keep me. I wonder why you haven't. <laughs> I want. I wonder why you haven't divorced me. And so that's that's. It's good that I've been able to not be divorced because there's been we've had some relationship uh, episodes on here. And to truth be told, a lot of them have to deal with breaking up and how to, you know, pick up the pieces and move on. And I think this is a a great episode regarding that. It's really focusing on individual health and trying to, you know, this episode provides the tools for an individual that is getting out of a relationship to focus on themselves and move forward, which is vitally important. I'm just glad you haven't, you know, made me go off on my own and try to go start some other podcast and keep me around for whatever Rudy, reason. you have great hair. How could I let go of that? It's true. That's why I keep my hair. That's why I work on it. I work on it a lot. <laughs> and, and I also keep my hair so I don't get divorced. I'm pretty sure that if I lost my hair, or if I lost my beard, I'd be done for. Does Kate listen to this show? She does. Okay. Hi, Kate. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's talk from we to me. What do you think? I think it's great. Alex, let's start with you. How did you get started in this system of for, is it for women only for handling divorce? Well, let me give you a little backstory. So I have two kids. I had a long-term marriage and I have a successful career in entertainment, like outside of all this. And five years ago, the shit hit the fan in my life. And I realized I was headed down a road to like get separated, right? And possibly eventually a divorce. So like any good expert, all of my experience comes from real world experience. And so when that happened, I was able to kind of guide myself by creating a system. And it kind of combined in my skill set from my entertainment work and what I had done in my life before. Like before I got married, I created a binder about what my wedding was. Before each kid arrived, I created a binder, <laughs> an organization system, you know, for the hospital and the doctor's notes, whatever. On each kid, I have to fill out this form for social security, whatever. When it came for my divorce, I realized it was time to make a new binder. So that's really where it started, the genesis of the divorce organization. But before that, going back in time, initially when I did it for myself, it was great because you go through a a big life change and think to yourself, where do I start? And I think most people face that, especially women who I've talked to when going through a separation and divorce. And by creating this organization system, it gives people a concrete place to start. And to me, that's been a joy. So it was something I did for myself. And then it became a, a buddy system where, you know, I would meet 
Josefti um, in the real world. And she would say, and it's kind of like a, one of those things you're like, wait, you're going through a divorce? I'm going through a divorce. You're separate. I'm separated. And it becomes this like sisterhood in a way. Okay. And so then I would help guide people through. And I'd say, I did this to help me before I even talked to anybody. And it saved time and money. And it, it gave me some certainty at a time in life that feels really overwhelming and uncertain. And so that's where it came from. And then eventually one of the people I helped was my partner, Jenny Pithy. And, you know, after guiding her through her split, what we realized is we really wanted to create a community for women to be able to share all the tips and tools that we use to go through and navigate splits successfully. And that's how we arrived at Divide and Thrive. And thankfully, her skill set complements my skill set. So <laughs> yeah, here we are and we're excited. You know, what's really nice about creating something like this is it's easy for me to talk about because it's personal, because I've helped other people. I love helping people. And it's something tangible that I can contribute. And that gives me a lot of joy and purpose. Right. So I'm curious when you decided, okay, this needs to go into a binder, this needs to be organized. What were maybe the first two things that needed to be organized that you felt, okay, this needs to be separated from this. This has to go in this particular mm -hmm. file. Well, it's, it's interesting because it's three core ideas of the organizer are exactly what I started with when I was faced with holy crap, what do I do? And the first thing, quite frankly, that I did was I sat down and I wrote a letter to my future self. And in that letter, what I articulated is what I wanted my life to look like in terms of I want to be doing less of, you know, X, Y, and Z that brings me joy, whether that's going to the beach or what have you. I want to live in this kind of a place with my kids, really specific things. And then I folded up the letter and I sealed an envelope and I put it away. So I set my intentions for my future, first and foremost. And secondly, it got me thinking about what are my goals going through a separation or divorce? Because we can really be easily kind of turned upside down by either the emotional component of it or the business component. And there's so many opinions when you go through the process. So I sat down and I really identified what was important to me. To me, that was making sure I have children, that their lives were as untouched and uh, ruffled as possible. And that became my North Star. So that guided me through. So that was the first thing I did, which is also part of the organizer. The second was knowing what essential paperwork I needed to get together in order to have everything at my fingertips, whether it be taxes or what have you. And the third, which is kind of like the secret sauce was I needed to really know the nuts and bolts of what it costs to live my life on a monthly basis. And so with those three components and doing my homework early, not only did it give me a sense of control over the process, it enabled me to move through the process of divorce and be more efficient so that when I was talking to somebody whose time I was paying for, I already had everything at my fingertips and was able to answer questions as well as make decisions based on my actual life and factual financial situation. And I have to say it was a game changer. And for those who I've shared it with too, it, thankfully all the feedback has kind of been the same. It doesn't take all the scariness of, out of it. It doesn't change, you know, anything about the emotional roller coaster of the first two years of any split, even the most amicable, but it gives you a great structure to be able to focus on something that is going to be to your benefit. It's still going to be tumultuous, but it's something to hold on to. That's right. Yeah. Have you opened the letter? Have I opened the letter? I have. I have opened the letter. So it's almost like having like a little rabbit's foot in a way that, you know, you can rub every time you need a little extra luck, especially in those early years. I opened it more frequently, but now I'm living it. Now I'm living what wow. that letter was. I would imagine that that would be a healing and also an emotional thing because to ask somebody to write a letter to their future self, then they're confronting a future without their partner. So they have to re-visualize what their future will be. That's a hundred percent true. And that's the thing, you know, as I said, like there's a multi-leveled emotional component to this experience you're going through that just happens to also be a legal and business thing, right? So how do you honor and compartmentalize all three sections of that? And yes, your life will look different and different will be good. You know, there's no one right way to do life. And we can obviously set out with the best of intentions and want something. And when it doesn't happen the way we want, you know, it's, there's a mourning period to it. And we have to honor that. But just because it's different doesn't mean it's a bad thing. And Joe, you work with finance, right? 
Mm-hmm. So what are some of the financial issues that women come to you with or concerns? You mean specifically relating to divorce yes, and, yeah. and separation? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause, Cause I'm, cause you can only imagine the whole, there's a whole host of, of financial issues that an expert like Joe can address, but I'm thinking for, yeah, no, I'm thinking for women who all of a sudden they're going from, <laughs> you know, from one life, cause all of that is tied to a lifestyle. Everything is tied to, you know, what you want and then what you depend on. So going from the, again, that we to me, what are some of the emotional issues that are tied up with the finance and how to restructure your financial understanding? You know, I think it does depend on each relationship and perhaps stereotypes have become a little softer around this as we've gotten to our generation versus our parents' generation. But there are still a lot of women out there that leave the finances up to their husband, right? And just live their life. And whether that's because they're a stay-at-home parent or they're just too busy working their own career and they're just leaving it up to their spouse to figure out the finances, when something like this comes up, a lot of times they're just in shock and have no idea what they pay for a mortgage. They don't even know if they have one. And it's just, it's extremely overwhelming to figure out all of a sudden like, oh my gosh, how much is my life? How much does my life cost? And actually Alex and I met because... I became her financial planner, but she ended up helping me organize for my divorce. You know, yeah, I'm a financial planner, but it's, you know, divorce is a special animal. (laughs) And, you know, she really helped me figure out what was important to organize. Now, because I'm in finance, I wasn't scared by the tasks she gave me, but I could see how it would be completely overwhelming and scary to someone that doesn't look at bills or take care of any of that stuff on their own. Yeah. Just to pick up on what Josephie was saying, it's so funny. It's like the three things that you don't want to hear from someone when they're entering into this, when you ask them questions, and especially you don't want them to say when they're paying for someone's time is, one, I don't know. Two, my spouse took care of that. And three, I didn't think it was important. So by taking the time to do your homework before you get to that point, to answer those questions, to educate, doesn't matter what it was before. doesn't matter what your roles were. Even if you worked full-time, if you didn't, you were working full-time at the house. You just weren't paid for it, but it's valuable. Mm -hmm. Now is the time to start fresh. And now is the time to educate and move forward and be able to make good decisions. Um, You sleep at night knowing every nook and cranny detail of your life. We don't have control over a lot of what gets drawn at us, right? How we handle something is within our control. How we handle what's thrown our way is the only thing that we can handle with certainty. And that applies to divorce. And again, going back to the fact that it's so intertwined with an emotional aspect to it. You know, we want, I want to be able and uh, with Divide and Thrive to really be able to guide people to take care of both sides and to make sure that they don't overlap. So one doesn't kind of influence the other. Keep them separate, absolutely pay attention to them and just move forward. Two questions on this point. Joe, I'm curious, when you do talk to women who have the answer, I don't know. I don't know if I have a mortgage. I don't have access to the bank account. I don't know anything. Let's say they have a husband that is because of the divorce, because of a lot of reasons, is refusing to give her answers. Like, what do you tell them? Like, what options do they have at that point? I mean, I can imagine some of the legal options that they have since they, especially if they're in a California community property state, they own 50% of everything. So they do have rights. But really, like, how do you direct them to get that knowledge if their partner is roadblocking them? I mean, thankfully, I haven't had too many examples of that. But for example, if the mortgage is in your joint names or the bank account is in your joint name, like you can go to the bank and get the information yourself. So that's one way to do it. I think, again, depending on your soon-to-be ex-partner, if they're somewhat reasonable, you can talk to them from the financial perspective. Like, hey, if we can organize, this is going to be cheaper for both of us. That worked for me. So there's different techniques depending on the situation. I guess what I'm worried about is uh, what Alex was just speaking to before is, sure, yeah, you do need to separate the emotional aspect of it. Um, What if your partner can't? What if they're an emotional mess? What if they're a ball of rage? And you literally don't know. Maybe you have one bank account in your name, but what if there are a bunch of other bank accounts that are out there? And maybe the mortgage isn't in your name. Like, I'm just curious, Alex, if you've ever come across that. I know that's kind of a nightmare scenario, and, and hopefully that's that's like a rare case, but I can't imagine that's that rare. I do feel like some partners are kept in the dark, either on purpose or for whatever reasons. And like I feel sorry for anybody that's going through this, but the ones that truly have no idea how they're going to pay a bill, that's got to be daunting to them. 
Absolutely. And the truth is, whether it's a friendly, amicable divorce, you know, if you have a contentious divorce, maybe you were hit out of the blue by it, or it was a long time coming, how you got there, like, isn't the focus, it's how you kind of prepare and move forward, that is your focus. And you plan the same way for all of those scenarios, right? So let's say you have someone who is really creating roadblocks because they're not on board. You're not taking care of them. You're taking care of you. So whether it's you need to get a hold of your taxes, you reach out to the IRS. Nobody needs to know. You have a credit card in your name together, you call the credit card company. Yeah. There are ways, and if it's really extreme, then you hire a forensic accountant. Yeah. So there are lots of different levels to this and there are answers out there, which again is like, you know, having everything in one place was the goal because it felt like the wild west when I was going through it. And let me tell you something, I had the most amicable divorce you would want and it was still shitty because <laughs> that's just the process of it. But there are lots of different ways that you can get information. Going through the divide and thrive organizer, then you can see where you stand. It's like, oh, I don't know where the credit card statement is. I'm going to have to go get that. Whereas maybe you wouldn't have thought to even look for it before. Great point. Obviously, I, I, I don't have a copy of the notebook in front of me. I know there's a lot of information on the website. I don't plan on ever buying your workbook, by the way. Totally get it. Um, I there's, there's another reason why I forgot. See, I forgot. I actually forgot I'm not a woman there. So sorry about that. But thank you, Joe, for always keeping me in my place. You've been doing that because I've known you for so long. Do you have like in the workbook, do you have a like an if-then scenario? Kind of like a, if this happens, go to this tab. Or if this happens, go to that tab. I mean, is it, is it that detailed in there? <laughs> That's a really, really great question. So like I said, there are three key components to the organizer. One is about setting goals. And we walk you through some really specific questions to get you thinking and to kind of write down and, and to start focus and identify what your priorities are. In terms of organization, it's a very detailed list of what you need to gather. It is incredibly thorough and you create different sections where you in your binder put all those things because it's like a one-stop shop Then you have it in front of you, which is, you know, key in order to be able to access things. You need to know where they are, right? And having everything in one place goes a long way. And then in terms of your budget, it's also an incredibly detailed breakdown so that people, I mean, there were things that I put in there that some people, like even Joseph, was like, I have never seen anyone with like such a detailed budget when I went in because knowledge yes. is power. The number one thing you can do to prepare yourself for your future is to educate yourself and put in the time now to prepare. It's not really a therapist kind of notebook. It, I feel like it's, it's a list of tasks that you have to do. It has more of like a positive twist to it, right? So it's goal setting and these are the things you're going to do to get over there. What the focus of for Divide and Thrive is really giving you structural things and very in a very comprehensive and very easy to use way so that when those things get thrown your way, you have a leg up at least. Like you have a clear bird's eye view of every nook, detail of your life to be able to tackle it. I can imagine that somebody who is going through the emotional turmoil of a divorce, especially if it came out of left field, and even if it didn't come out of left field, um, knowing that they have something like a, a list of to-dos that helps them get through that day. If they're having a particularly tough day, they, they okay, I have some to-dos here that are not emotional. These are, I'm building out my future and taking every single step day by day, it's got to build up that confidence that they're going to get through this. While it might not be emotional, building that confidence of getting stuff done is invaluable, I'd imagine. I'm sure you've probably heard that before from some people. It's true. And it's funny when you say that the thing about divorces, you know, some days are much better than others. And some days you have to really, uh, some days you might feel overwhelmed and think this is going on forever. <laughs> when is it going to end? So being able to have these concrete, you know, steps to take helps you kind of celebrate the small victories, right? Like, oh, I, I checked off three things on the to-do list this week. That's great. The other thing is like, we don't just stop our lives and get a divorce. So we're juggling careers, we're juggling kids, or we're juggling school, or we're taking care of sick family members on top of it. So to have something that kind of lets you go a little bit on autopilot and guides you, it's such a helpful tool because nobody can stop and everything and just devote a hundred hours to this one act of divorce. I think there's still a cultural or societal idea that lingers that 
when you identify as having been mm. divorced, that there is a judgment or that you did something wrong or that there's a failure. How do you have, which I'm saying that I think that that's what is, I am not endorsing that view. I think that that's a terrible view, yet it's still there. How do you help women you know, how, how do you help women through that, through knowing that they are now in the world, not just, you know, without their partner and not just with their own goals, but as divorced? That's a great question. And Thank you. Um, the, <laughs> the, the truth is, in my experience of anything in life that gets thrown your way, people's reactions generally tend to be a reflection of where they are. So, you know, I, I, I had this post that I did, which were like, here are some various reactions you're going to get to the news if you're divorced. And so mm -hmm. one is like zombie apocalypse, your patient zero, if this person even talks to you, they're going to catch it. Another was, oh, you poor sweet thing. I'm so sorry. They want to infantilize you. You're powerless somehow. Thankfully, more often than not, what you're going to get is people saying, I'm really sorry to hear that. How can I help you? And so it's something that I coach people with all the time and just say, remember, all you have control over is how you process your news of divorce, how you move forward, how other people digest the information and how they react to you. That's out of your hands. And that's not yours. That's theirs. That's good advice. Can I, so this is just a question. Why on forms, like when you go somewhere, like let's say you're seeing a new physician and there's that checkbox, married, single, why is divorced on there? Because isn't the whole point of the divorce that you are no longer like, I just want to know why that question is there. That is such a good question. I think I, of it every time. What relevance does it possibly have? You're no longer, that's the maybe, whole point is that you are no longer related to this person. Maybe they're looking for to date a divorce lady. I don't know. <laughs> I was just applying for car insurance the other day and I was, it kept asking and I couldn't figure out, does that make me more likely to hit, you know, hit another car? <laughs> why does it ask that? very strange. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I think that that question needs to be off there because it's the whole point is that it's not part of your life anymore. It doesn't define, the divorce does not define you. It's just an experience. It's temporary. We move through it. It's as if to say like, wow, you just got married. Everything is about your wedding. You're a wedding person. We're not, we're not these experiences. We're the same people with our, you know, character, morals, values that we were just moving through life, other life experiences. That's all it is. I think the perceived stigma too also depends on the energy you're giving out as well. So I noticed with a lot of, I think our mutual friends, perhaps they were tentative at first because they just wanted to see like how I'm going to be. And if I was happy and I was good with it, they were going to be happy and good with it too. And then it was a non-issue. It's just, what, what's that energy you're giving out? Are you giving out that it should be stigmatized or are you giving out an energy like, this is cool, I'm happy, I'm in a good place. And don't be afraid to create boundaries, right? If people are crossing boundaries that don't feel good to you and they're saying something, it's okay to say, I'm not ready to talk about that right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that good. Feel good. Yeah. Um, so I want to ask, uh, what is the worst advice? <laughs> what is something that you do not say to somebody going through a divorce? Oh my God, that's <laughs> I'm just kind of curious of like, what are, what are the no's? Like, this is, a, you are a bad quick, person quick, if yeah. you say this, what really? Quick question. Is the yeah. answer the same? And this is, this is great. This is a great follow on question. Is the answer the same as to somebody who was in a, let's just say a relationship, but not a marriage and they just broke up with their significant other. Once they're divorced, are you allowed to start talking crap about the person if you hated <laughs> that person or no, it's not a good idea because they might get back together. Okay. So many good things to unpack here. First of all, a split is a split is a split. You've been in a long-term relationship and you never got married. It's a tough break. You're going through the same emotional and financial things. You lived with somebody, you're breaking up after a long time, same thing. You got this piece of paper between you, same thing. I think it all depends in terms of like what you shouldn't say. I don't believe that you should start like talking ill about the other person at all because you never know what's going to happen, number one. And number two, your focus should really be on the positive and helping the person who's confiding in you, right? So letting somebody have a safe place to vent, letting have them be, if they want to kind of trash talk to get it off their chest, let them, don't join in to say, yeah, I hear you. That really sucks. That's hard. And even, you know, as your best friend, you're like, oh, I hate that person too. But don't start. 
be there to be the support. The other Don't thing be like, is, I knew it. <laughs> trust me. I, there was somebody who said to me in the family who was like, well, I never knew who your spouse was anyway. I was like, oh, now you tell me. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah. if you can't go back in time and fix it, don't break it up now. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but what, another thing is like when people throw the, every reason at the book at you, it's like, well, why can't you make it work? They're so great. Your kids, but it's like, stop. This is happening. If you can't be a supportive person for that person who's confiding in you, zip lay lip. Mm-hmm. Let me just ask, is another not good thing to say? <laughs> hey, that's, that's, that's. Rudy, that's, are you writing this down? I hope, I, I want to see you taking notes. Um, <laughs> hey, that's terrible. But hey, when you're ready, there's somebody I have for you to meet. Like, I'm, I'm just curious, like, how, how early can you play matchmaker? Maybe that could be, a, like, a follow-up conversation. Yeah, I will say early on in my split when I, I have a, you know, we, your friends are all different. Their personalities are all different. And I have a really supportive friend, too. Immediately, she all of a sudden, she, she was like, but you could date this person. And she sent me, like, a snap of somebody who, <laughs> who looked like the male version of her. And she's like, it would be like you could date me. I mean, that's different. <laughs> if it's coming from a place of love and humor. And by the way, giving somebody hope, the idea that like, wow, that's right. I could right. meet somebody else. Wow, I can have all those great experiences is fantastic. And I think that's a positive thing. So what you're saying to that person at a point where a lot of times, even if you're a pretty secure person, you're feeling really vulnerable. And you're going through a process that's telling you in a way sometimes, especially societally, that somehow you're unlovable, which is not true. You're valuable, you're lovable, and you have a bright future ahead. And if somebody wants to land up a date, please tell them. Good. Okay. I thought I thought that was the case. <laughs> I knew I didn't think that would be a negative thing. I thought that that no. really should be negative, a but just thing. maybe not push it, right? Just like, oh, I, I know somebody. I think that would be good for you. Just let me know when. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Let me know when. That's good. Yeah. I think it's also important to you know, well, everything's positive and that there's another side to this too, that a person should go ahead and mourn and reflect that that's also normal. I think we want to make everybody happy and okay. And I think it's okay if somebody doesn't feel okay, you know, and they take this time to go ahead and feel all that they need to feel so that then they can get to the other side of it. But I think skipping over that feeling of a loss would be a big mistake. It's a death of a relationship. It is. You are mourning, mourning the death of something that you thought was going to be and what your life was going to be. And, and the thing is, divorce brings up big feelings, high highs and low lows. And so you want to be able to honor those feelings and ride through them so that you can get to the other side and you can have a bright future. How yeah. long is mm. too long? If you see, if you're seeing so, and I get it, it, it facts and circumstances, every, everyone's going to be different. But let's say you're seeing a friend, male, female, it doesn't matter but they're still mourning one to two years after. At some point, you, you should suggest professional help if they haven't gotten it yet. And maybe at that time, even if you're trying to just get them out and introduce some people, you know, n- not say you're going to set them up, but try to do stuff to get the hope going. Clearly, I'm not a professional. I'm just curious, how long is too long? I think it's case by case, quite frankly. And and even if you are, you know, let's say you, you've been talking to friends, you've been going to therapy, you're really doing the work, right? And it still comes in waves. Let me tell you something. I had a date. Uh, this was probably like one of the the second or third date that I had with somebody after my divorce was final. And we went to the movies and at the end of the movies, a kiss was laid on me and it was really great and exciting at the time. And I was like, this is fantastic. And look at me. And I got in the car <laughs> and as I was driving home, you know what I thought? Damn, it would be so much easier if I was married. Oh. I even had a great time. I had the potential to, you know, to enjoy myself. It just comes in different ways. Did I go home and say, oh, I don't want to date? No, you push through. You push through, but when you're ready. And you just have to honor whatever phase your friend's in. I mean, if somebody really needs help and isn't moving forward and they're kind of like stuck on these very destructive ideas, it's usually the focus is outward then. And then you want to absolutely be able to say, hey, I think maybe you should be talking to somebody else about this because I care about you. And I know that this situation, this isn't all you are and all you can be. I mean, all you can really do is try to help. But I mean, I I can think of a very specific person right now where they've been in denial for about two years and they just can't move forward and they're doing their therapy and they're doing what they're supposed to do. But that's where that person is. And yeah, all you can do is make gentle suggestions and 
and you have to believe that they're going to find their way at some point. I think this idea of writing goals is a really exciting one because it allows the person to see the possibility of their life instead of focusing on what isn't going to be their life. Mm. So I would imagine that some people, when you say, okay, what are your goals, that somebody might be stumped because they've been so accustomed to not even thinking about what it is that they want out of life, or they have thought that the marriage was what they wanted out of life. What are some tips for somebody to really be reflective about what it is that they want out of life? Oh, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Look, a big life change can be exciting and intimidating. And those two extremes signal you're living. So, and that change is happening and that it's a good thing. It can be a good thing. Try not to fight it, be open, push through fears, take time to sit with yourself and pinpoint if you are having big fears, what is the root of that? Is it because I'm afraid that I'm, I really want to be in a romantic relationship and I want to be in a committed relationship. That's a priority to me. Is it that I'm feeling insecure about my financial future or maybe where I'm going to live? Try and pinpoint exactly where it's coming from. Number one, that's how you start to slay the dragon. Don't fight it. Be open to it. And it's okay that things don't work out the way you plan. That's life. We have to learn to roll with it. And the biggest tip is to view it as an opportunity. You are now at a point where you get to write a new story, how you want to write it. And there's no one way to do life. Everyone's path is different. I know like something like traveling is really important to me. And it's just kind of exciting to be like, I'm going to go somewhere and I'm going to do these things and I don't have to run it by anybody. Like that was, that was a really exciting thing. And I get to, you know, do what I want to do and plan. And that was a very exciting thing for me to think about. It, it takes time to sit with where you are now, right? Yeah. If you're coming out of a long-term relationship, you know, we, we talked about this. It's like, you're so accustomed to thinking as a we, and it takes time to switch that narrative to me. So take time to sit with and learn who that me is now. It's not the same person who went into the relationship. It's not the same person who is in the relationship. We all grow, right? And and get to know that person and what's important to them now. Yeah. I, I like what you're saying there. I think that it's normal for relationships to end. And this idea that, oh, why didn't you work or whatnot? But I think it's entirely possible for somebody who's good for you in your 20s, somebody who's good for you in your 30s may not be good for you in your 40s, that you're in different places in your life. And it shouldn't, you should be allowed to live your life as, as long as you're respectful for with other people. I mean, like, I'm not saying be cruel to somebody else, but to be honest about what you want. And if you're not on the same path, which can happen if you've been with somebody for 10, 15 years to realize your your life goals are incompatible, that it can be the end and it doesn't have to be this terrible um, thing where you hate the other person or anything like that. Well, you, something that you, you've talked about was children. I'm wondering what are some of the best ways to navigate that? Because unlike a breakup where, you know, that's not a divorce, maybe it's a relationship and you decide to part ways, as painful as that is, you can actually get away from the person um, to not be reminded. How does, what is the best path forward when children are in the picture and you're deeply hurt by whoever you're getting um, divorced with and you still need to interact with them? What are some tips to like focus on yourself, but then also know you continually need to interact with the person who has caused a lot of harm or a lot of, I'm sorry, sadness, maybe not harm, but sadness. Again, it goes back to compartmentalizing, especially if you have children, make them your North Star right? We as grownups, as adults, we get, we're, this is our adult life. We are in a position to make choices and act on them. Children aren't, okay? So if you're doing grown-up adult things and making grown-up adult choices and having big grown-up adult feelings, that is for grown-ups and adults. That is not for children. If you have a strained relationship with your ex and you are doing, you know, co-parenting stuff, figure out the least volatile way to communicate. Maybe it's just a simple text message. Maybe it's an email. To so have a clear plan laid out between the two of you in advance talking to your children about it and make sure when you are going to talk to your children that you've taken time to kind of practice what you're going to say. Keep it short and sweet. Be mindful of ages that you're dealing with, what's appropriate in terms of how many sentences do they need to know. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the biggest key is 
don't have the conversation unless you can have it and say the word separation or divorce without crying. Because they're looking to you as a guide. It's okay to be sad about things, but initially they're looking to you to know that this unknown they're about to move through is at least feels like someone is a guiding them who knows what they're talking about and feels comfortable so that they can come to you eventually. And don't expect that kids are immediately going to turn around and ask you questions. Yeah. They need, they, they're going to need time to sit with it. And it's going, you know, how they react to it is going to manifest in lots of different ways. Sure, if you have an older kid, it might be a, a quick conversation. You might never hear anything about it, if it's a younger kid or even an older kid, you, you could hear a tantrum, right? Give them time and let it, let it be safe. But just remember, adult, uh, do adult things and make adult choices. Children should not have to suffer through those. Keep them separate, protect them. I mean, I think having to the extent that it's possible to have a unified front when you bring it up to the kids, I think that's ideal. And then, I don't know, for me, I think just having that agreed upon structure going forward is helpful because you just have to stick to the structure. Yeah. So we're going to drop off here and that's agreed upon. This is the time we're doing it. That's what we're going to do. Just to minimize arguments or any gray areas, you want everything to be black and white. So people who have come to you for help, can you give a couple of examples of somebody thriving? Like in what way was their life better or did they do something because they were divorced that they wouldn't have done if they were still married? That's a really good question. I think it, you know, it, it, it kind of runs the gamut. Like I know people who have started a business that they just didn't feel like they saw the possibility of doing it because they were kind of stuck in a situation that didn't feel good. So, and when you're in something that's not working, it's hard to see possibilities in other places. Friends who ended up traveling for the first time and, you know, really experiencing the world on their own because they'd been with somebody for so long, they'd seen only the world through the, you know, the couple's eyes. There are lots of different examples of how we thrive afterwards is so individual. And even if it's something as small as like, I go for walks now every day and it brings me immense pleasure or I get to read now, you know, it, they're all valuable. Rudy, I wanted to know if you wanted to throw anything. Sorry. No, I don't, I don't have anything uh, constructive to add. I was literally, it was literally going to be an eat, pray, love joke. I, I, okay. you know, I was just curious if, you know, if I haven't even seen the movie, it was just, uh, is that, is that like something? It's not, it's not that good of a movie. It's not I'm not <laughs> saying not I haven't seen it. I, I was just it, uh, so see, not constructive. So that's why I just kept quiet. <laughs> and so I'm going to go back to doing that. <laughs> that would be an example, though, of somebody. I mean, it's not a it's not a good film, but it is an example of where the person was able to realize, like, that there were all of these experiences and just in, an enjoyable way to to be in the world that was because they were no longer married. And I think that it takes some time, like I said, sit with the sadness. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to mourn. Um, but on the other side of that, the whole world is open to you. There's, yeah. I mean, cause it's not charter territory. There is no path. You don't have to run anything by anybody. You can do what you want. And that can be very, very exciting. Just on a simpler level of that movie is you just have time to get to know yourself. Like, who are you? Right. What do you enjoy? What do you like doing? What are you thinking about in the silence now that you don't have to talk to someone else in the house? Like, what is there to think about? Do you want to sleep? Do you want to meditate? Do you want to watch TV? It's really interesting to just so learn the movies, these So then the movie's not that bad. I mean, I'm hearing positive <laughs> things from the both of you about a movie that I haven't seen. I mean, I haven't seen it because I'm number one. I haven't, I haven't seen it either. I'm with you, Rudy. I haven't seen it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I liked <laughs> Under the Tuscan Sun. That was a good oh one. Oh my God. Yeah. Well, actually, this is really funny. I think we should talk about some great movies that have divorce at the center of them. I'm going to do my quick list, really. And then I want to hear what everybody... So we got Eat, Pray, Love, which I need to still watch. And I love pizza. I don't know why I haven't done it. So more recently, you can have something like um, Girls Trip, where at the core, one of the women... It's, you know, mm. laugh out loud, funny, really great, very empowering film. Love, love, love. Or you have Under the Tuscan Sun, which is like, oh my God, come on. Immediate vacation. <laughs> one of my absolute favorites is Enough Said, the film that stars yeah. James Gandolfini and Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Nicole Hall-Center is the writer-director of it. And it's so grounded. They're so human and real. And it's a really fun one to watch when you're going through a divorce because it's about two people who are divorced and kind of, you know, you're at a different point in life and you're trying to connect with other people. I highly recommend it. And of course, how Stella got her groove back. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, Diggs didn't hurt anybody. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my god he's so beautiful <laughs> first and first wives club classic all right yeah i think you know what this is good this is a good list because people should i think yeah that there is some there now wait i don't want to make it sound like i'm down on marriage i'm not like i think that, that can be a very beautiful thing but i think that one of the fears with women is mm. age because something that mm. something that happens is that just by virtue of experience by virtue of life you just get better with age but we're still in a society where men are more attractive with that age and wisdom and women's value is still with you know under 40 like after they're 40 you don't see them on TV you know you don't see that much it's very few women who are able to get beyond that but that women um, can actually you know be concerned about how they're going to be in the world that they are of less value because they're older who's going to want them and mm -hmm. that needs to go away. And the films that you just mentioned are really celebrations of the wisdom and the joy. And you are more grounded. You know more what you want out of life. And so you're able to embark on this journey of singlehood and then find what it is that you want in this other part of your life. And that's not to disrespect the marriage because it, just because a marriage ends, that's why I hate the word failure because there can be so many life experiences and so many beautiful moments that took place in that relationship. That does not mean that it was wasted or it's no good or mm -hmm. like I said fail I think it just ends and there can be this other part to your life and I think that like I said I think with women it's that might be a hang-up this concern about their age who's gonna want me you know and all of that stuff goes away in those films it's it, you bring up a really good point and that there is you know the stigma there's still a little bit of a societal stigma or maybe a self-imposed stigma somehow about divorce so it's not like there's no pro-divorce I'm not pro-divorce I didn't get married to get divorced at right. all but when when life hands you lemons, you got to make lemonade and sometimes a vodka lemonade. You know what I mean? So it's like, do <laughs> the best you can with, with the cards that you're dealt. That's all we can do, whether it's exactly. divorce, whether it's career, whether it's a health issue. That is the name of the game. There is no one size fits all. And um, look, there's joy to be found no matter what your situation in life. Are there books you could recommend? So those are films, but are there books that come to your mind? They could be other uh, fiction or they could be nonfiction. You know, it's funny that you ask about the books because for the most part, I'm not a huge self-help <laughs> like reader. My partner, Jenny, has this incredible list of books that I can share with you that she recommended. One book about marriage that I found incredibly funny was by Jenny uh, Ophelia called Department of Separation that came out a couple of years ago. And that's really, it, it's a really well-written, modern I guess it's a shorter story, which I highly recommend to everyone I, about a woman who is married and she has a young kid and it's very an internal narrative about kind of going through the process of deciding whether or not she want to stay together and kind of the ridiculousness of the and mundane of the middle-aged ennui, if you have, you know, if you will. So that's a good one to check out. Are there any books out there that help women going through the financial process of, of divorce? I mean, I have to say her workbook. So <laughs> I I used it before, I guess, I guess, before it was branded and it really helped me. And I'm now using it with other clients that are going through the process now. And I don't know that I call it a book, right? Because it's tasks. Yeah you organize it into something so it's not gonna like it's not a self-help book no it, it is a workbook it's an organizer yeah. and then so speaking of other like books to possibly recommend on the subject so there's this department of speculation which is fiction but then in the nonfiction space there's something gained by deb purdy there's conscious uncoupling who we all know that book maybe <laughs> famous by goop daring greatly is another great read wherever you go you are there and magic, uh, light magic for dark times. Can I just make one correction? We all yes. don't know what's on Goop. I, I do not, I, I don't. Rudy, Rudy, I know that you are using a very special scented candle right now. Okay. <laughs> I swear I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. I'm, uh, help me here, Joe, come on. <laughs> Well, I have, I guess I read some books and they weren't necessarily about divorce maybe, but just helping me get to know myself better. Okay. So one that I found really just really fascinating and then I forced it on other people. Like I bought them the books to make them read it. It's called Attached. So, oh yeah. Yeah. 
So are you anxious, avoidant, or secure? How the science of adult attachment can help you find and keep love. It's just, it's really fascinating just learning about certain aspects of yourself. I started something called the Happiness Project. So just, oh, yeah. again, just a different way of trying to think about your, your world and finding happiness in it. So not necessarily about divorce, but again, from we to me. So now I'm going to, I'm going to be thinking about me. One of the shifts that can happen is that your friendship circle changes. How do you help women navigate that? That, that can be a tough one. I mean, every scenario is different. You know, there are some people who were your couple friends. There are some people you knew before. And then there are going to be people you meet after, right? And there's just kind of just no telling how, what's going to happen. In my own situation, when I split up with my ex, I had the best group of friends. I'm not kidding. I'm not overselling them. Mm. They are like the kindest, smartest, most empathetic, great people you would ever want to meet. And they're all married. So for me, my, my challenge was I really, and they were loving and supportive. I needed to connect with people who had been there, right? Like that was the bigger focus for friendships. And so through friends or friends of friends or what have you, I was able to connect with those people. You can't control if certain people fall out of your life because that's not your people then. It's just as simple as that. It's not your people. What is some, do you have some suggestions for women to expand their world to Mm. like, I don't know, like take a yoga class or like what, what is something that they can, that they can actively do in order to, Mm. because it might even be that the friends are great, but as you just said, like, but they're all married, but it might be that the person needs to maybe not be around that and not because the friends aren't great, but their own emotional, like they need to meet new people. Um, What is a good way to, and I don't mean for dating, but I mean just to expand their world. You start small. Like what are the little things that bring you joy? Get out in nature, go take a walk. Is it that? Is it going to an art gallery or museum? Not in a pandemic. Is it going to a free concert? You have to find out the little things and carve out time especially at the beginning, you should be doing at least two or three little things during the week that help build you up, that make Mm -hmm. you feel really good. Maybe there's an extracurricular activity you used to do that you haven't done in a long time, like play tennis, or it could be like, you know, what you were saying, you, you love travel and you got back into that. Just make time to, if you don't know what it is, to figure out by trying lots of different things. And it doesn't have to be skydiving. You know what I mean? Like I said, it could just be going out to your local state park and and doing a hike. Just try, just be open to new things. Since we do talk a lot about philosophy on this show, I'm just curious if, I mean, mean, you as a philosophy professor, having gone through whatever you've gone through, was there some philosophical teaching or philosopher or something that you turned to that was helpful in any of the things that you've gone through? I will say that existentialism is a branch of philosophy that I really do enjoy. And they do focus on this idea of the way in which the world perceives you versus doing what you want. And that the meaning of life is what you bestowed to it, that there's not an outside order or something like that. And I think that the trauma that people can feel, I think the existentials have it right, is that you buy into the meaning that has been set up for you by the world instead of knowing what it is that you want out of the world. So for example, it's not that there is no meaning in the world. It's just that any meaning is because you are giving it. So it's even the way like the word divorced, right? Like, but it has to be what the meaning that you are giving it and kind of evaluate it. So I don't know. I, I love the existentialists. I think that they gave me a lot of strength also that the world is chaotic. There's um, Camus writes that there's this absurdity in the world and that you have to breathe with it, not fight it but breathe with the absurdity of the world, that there's these contradictions in the world. And that absurdity can be that you thought that there was a particular order to things and then it went astray. And Camus says there was never an order in the first place. You Mm -hmm. bought into everybody telling you you're supposed to like, I don't know, go to college and then, you know, get married and have 2.5 kids and a golden retriever and a white picket fence. And then it falls apart and you're upset because you bought into this idea that that is the way it's supposed to be. And Camus is saying there is no supposed to be that the world is inherently absurd and you have to breathe with it. And I love that. So sometimes when I think of like, this isn't the way I wanted things to go, but then I think, but I have to learn to breathe 
with it. And then you can navigate. Because if you buy into the order, which doesn't really exist, you are going to be absolutely devastated by it's no longer being there. So you have to create right. the world for yourself. You're responsible for the world. You have to create it and put out in the world what you want to what you want to see. And if you're yeah. open, right? You're open to your current group of friends, whether they're your friends or shared friends, you know, people will refer other people to you. So my divorced friends are, are people that were referred to me. You um, got set up. I love it. Gwen, I yeah. love what you just said about the existentials. I couldn't agree more. It goes back to this idea of there is no one way to do life. Everyone's path is different. Mm -hmm. Your life can look different and different is good. And that these are opportunities, right? Um, it, it lets you be more alive, quite frankly. It's funny because yeah. I, I gravitated toward the Stoics a little bit more, mm -hmm. um, even though I, everything, every, I loved everything you said. And just in the fact that in the, some of the, especially like Marcus Aurelius, this whole idea of like, hold yourself to a higher standard. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and, and let other people do their thing and be flawed, but just, you have control over how you react. Right. And yeah. how you move through this world and to do it in a way that's connected to other people, to be empathetic, to be fair, to be just, and, and to be courageous, mm -hmm. to be of service. Yeah. Well, I, on that, I think I want to wrap up by asking about this notion of paying it forward. Um, so about, about your work and, you know, what it means to you to not, to not only have gone through this, but the meaning it gives you to let everyone else know about this work and be a resource for other people. Mm, that is such a great, I, I love it. I love paying it forward. As I told you, like the story about me not having any, any friends going through divorce immediately when I was going through my split and then connecting with somebody, I was so grateful to that. And then they were able to kind of share like emotional tips or their shoulder uh, and their experiences, which gave me seeds of hope. It, it, it made me feel seen, right? Mm -hmm. And it showed me that there is another side. And so then I took that from that woman. And then when I met Josephdi, I could give that to her. I could plant those seeds in her. And then in turn, she plants them and I planted them in Jenny. And then she did, there's nothing better than remembering that we're all connected and that um, being able to uh, collab be collaborative and share our experiences to make people feel less in the dark about things by um, opening up ourselves to our vulnerabilities, what we've struggled with is such a powerful and rewarding position to be in. It's the very essence of life is to connect in that way. In my opinion, love and connecting with other people. It's important for that person that's going through it to just feel supported. So I felt supported. I felt like I could ask Alex stupid questions and, and that just made me feel better already knowing that she was there for me. and. It's just a weird thing. They come out of the woodwork. Yeah. Don't be afraid to lead with the thing that is making you feel so vulnerable because what you're ultimately going to find is other people walking in those same steps and feeling yeah. the same way. And the fact that we're a few steps ahead and we can help them, I, it's amazing. I mean, of course, nobody wants to be divorced, but if, if you can help somebody and that's the situation they're in, um, if you can help them be in a better place, why not? You can't um, unbreak a plate, right? You can't unbreak a plate. Thank you so much. I think that's a great place to leave off. I mean, this was just really inspiring and very exciting. And I really appreciate your time. Yeah, it's a great, great resource, great work that you're doing. I love the positivity. I love because, you know, when we say, okay, we're going to be talking about divorce and being on your own, that it's not this negative thing, but it's just this world of possibility. And that's really exciting your approach to it. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a really, it's been a wonderful conversation. I'm, I'm so glad that you invited me. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks thank you, Joe. <laughs> All right. Have a good day. You Thanks too. Care. Bye. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Divide and Thrive, I've linked that in the show notes. And if you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash good is in the details. We have all sorts of extra goodies there. And if you'd like to get in touch, good is in the details pod at gmail.com or on Instagram and Facebook. If you're enjoying the show and you're on Apple Podcasts, please scroll down to the bottom and hit that five-star review and subscribe. Okay. And until next time, bye-bye.